HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following is a message from the Heritage Meat Shop. Are you tired of just hearing buzzwords? Do you want to actually take part in the food revolution? Then come on down to the Heritage Meat Shop, located in New York's historic Essex Street Market, on the corner of Essex and Delancey. We have rare breed pork, beef, poultry, lamb, and goat, not to mention charcuterie that'll make you squeal. All raised right, by the right people, so you know they'll taste right. Try the meat that over 100 New York chefs ache for. Come to the Heritage Meat Shop and pick up some revolution today. For more information, visit heritagemeatshop.com. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to heritageradionetwork.com. This is Severin, and this is Greenhorns Radio, and we're here once again for another episode of Radio for Young Farmers by Young Farmers. I'm joined today by Meg Pasca from Hayseed, which is a big city farm supply store in Brooklyn. It's a pop-up shop that may be more than that, and, and Meg is a longtime urban farmer and beekeeper living in Brooklyn, New York. Hello, Meg. Hi. Thanks for having me, Sev. How's it going over there? Oh, pretty good. We actually just wrapped up the last week of our store, so we're just kind of blowing out of inventory, packing everything up uh, for the rest of the season um, so that uh, we could focus our attention on our own farm projects we have going on right now. Well, this is the time. It is it is crunch time and starting to be weeding and harvesting on top of planting and keeping track of fall planting and Everything is heating up so hot that, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so my partners you- over at Brooklyn Grange, uh, the people who um, I work with to open hay seeds, they're um, in the midst of pla- uh, planting their second acre-sized uh, rooftop farm uh, at Brooklyn Navy Yard. So they're totally, like, uh, neck deep in, in plantings, and so uh, I'm getting ready to move to New Jersey and start a farm of my own, so I'm just, like, getting pumped up for that, so uh, I'm pretty excited. Okay, so let's do a little history lesson uh, about your uh, professional trajectory in agriculture and what has gotten you this far and where you're headed next. Um, just kind of a mini version, and you can stop and pause and dawdle along the way when you think that there's lessons that you've learned that may be of use to other people? Sure. Well, um, I moved to New York City from Baltimore, Maryland um, in 2006. And um, 
I, I, I left Baltimore, which is a city that I love very much. Um, it's home. It'll always be home. Um, but I, I felt like I was reaching limitations in terms of what, like, what I could do with my time and to sort of sustain myself. So I came to New York City for work, and um, I knew the second that I got here it would uh, not having outdoor space would make or break me. So I just tried to find some sort of situation where I'd have uh, access to outdoor space to do some gardening, which I'd, I've done all of my adult life. Um, and while I was in Baltimore, I, w- I became really interested in beekeeping. Um, some of the first sort of news of this colony collapse disorder uh, had sort of come to light. And so beekeeping classes were starting to fill up uh, pretty quickly. I took a beekeeping course there, um, and I planned to keep bees in Baltimore, but then when I moved here for work, I was just like, oh, that's probably not going to work out. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I thought this idea of keeping bees in New York City seemed a little crazy, um, but I was at work, and I went to go have lunch, and I was standing in line to buy my lunch, and I saw uh, an issue of Edible Manhattan that had an article of uh, about people breaking the law to keep bees in New York City. And I got really excited and ran home and talked to my landlords who live in the building. Uh, we've been gardening um, all season, and I asked them if I could start keeping bees on the roof. And surprisingly, they were really open to the idea. So that spring, I put some bees on the roof. Um, I was one of the few people who, even though we were breaking the law, um, I... I sort of like shared my name uh, with with some of the people who were coming coming to me to ask questions about it, um, and I think that kind of ended up putting me in a position where people were, were coming to me to ask questions. Um, over time, I, I basically started beekeeping, and I just threw myself headlong into it. I really love it, and um, you never stop learning, and, and that's I, I like that feeling. It's a humbling feeling to feel like you can never know all of it, um, but it doesn't stop me from chasing it. Um, so, yeah, I started keeping bees. Uh, next came a small flock of egg-laying hens in the backyard. We turned a dog house that was abandoned in the backyard into a chicken coop. So we've got chickens. We've got a garden, a huge compost pile, bees on the roof. And I think our yard is, like, maybe 800 square feet. It's small, but it works, and, you know, all of our critters are healthy, and we eat good food out of the backyard. So I'm pretty excited about that. Like, it, it's worked out really nicely. The neighbors seem very supportive, too, which, you know, I, I never would have expected. Um, from there, um, you know, eventually I started teaching classes with Third Ward and the New York Botanical Gardens on subjects like vegetable gardening, keeping small livestock, beekeeping, those sorts of things. And... Um, yeah, I mean, you, you meet a lot of people through these classes, and uh, I started to connect with uh, people like uh, Stacy from BK Farmyards and Annie over at Eagle Street Rooftop Farm, helping them with their apiaries. Um, and then, you know, I, I you know buddied up with the folks from Grange, uh, who have some beekeepers in their in their ranks. And um, from there, we just decided that you know there was this growing interest in urban farming, and that we could maybe supply some of the things that are kind of difficult to get here and are also really expensive to have shipped. So that's how the whole idea of Hayseed Big City Farm Supply came about. Like, we were just having a really hard time getting good quality things like chicken feed or soil or or soil amendments or any of those things um, at a fair price. So we thought that we would just sort of 
give it a whirl, do it seasonally for three months, and and see how it went. And the reception was really warm, and we we did really well. We sold a lot of chicken feed and a ton of of soil, and um, and you know we're thinking about whether or not it's something that can be done long term. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically where I'm at right now. Just recently. Um, I launched a Kickstarter to get an educational homestead right outside of New York City off the ground in, in New Jersey, in Monmouth County. Um, and that was, you know, that's been really kind of taking up a lot of time hustling and just trying to get the word out for that. Um, but that's what's sort of next on, on my sort of agenda is, is getting to this farm and turning it into a place where people can come and learn and um and they can get there without public trail or without uh, automobiles, so you can actually take a ferry to this farm, which is really awesome. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now. I'm like going from just being like a small backyard homesteader to like trying to become an actual farmer, where I'm I'm growing food for more than just myself. And this this educational farm that you're looking to start is 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 a move for you out of the city. I mean, you're not going to live in the city anymore or what's what's the story there? Yeah, I'm I'm moving out of Brooklyn. I'll only be an hour from the city, so I'll still continue to teach classes here in Brooklyn uh, periodically. Um but but yeah, I'm I'm leaving the city for for more space. Um which is so really let's, so let's difficult talk about for me that because I love it here. This, this this is this is a big move and and a lot of people who are uh, in the farming world out here in Columbia County, came from a city or from a suburban background and have you know come mm-hmm. to the decision that country living is what we're into. But the there, I'm sure if I asked you only a year or so ago, you might have you might not have self-identified as a country country dweller or a suburban dweller. What shifted mm-hmm. that for you? And talk well, for a while I mean, because the train is coming. Okay, sure. Well, I, you know, I, I think what really happened, I, I, I went and I, I did some farming up in Greene County, uh, up in the Catskills this past uh, summer, and I really loved it. And it, it kind of, um, it gave me some perspective in terms of, um, I don't know. I, I, I love New York City, but it, it, it's definitely a, a very difficult place for people who are really sensitive to live. Um, and I, I feel like I get really overwhelmed. I'm a very anxious person. I'm constantly, like, trying to do things. I constantly want to be active and, and participating in something. And it's really easy to burn out here. And I, I feel like I, I need some sort of balance. I don't want to leave the city altogether because I do love it. I do love a- having access to um, endless, an endless supply of, like, amazing food and really amazing people and, and, and the resources that the city has to offer. But um, I also I feel like I'm, I'm never alone here. Like, you never have this moment where it, it could just be you and nature or just you and, and nothing else. You you. You live in these apartments, and you constantly have noises, other people's noises, sort of penetrating your personal space. And um, for me, I just I like having relationships with the people around me, but I also feel like I need to ha- have the space to have a relationship uh, with myself and with uh, with nature. And and I reached a point where I felt like I just keep wanted I keep wanting to push forward, but 
there are limitations already in place to keep that from happening. There are a lot of people who can continue, who could do exactly what I've done and have it be totally adequate and have that completely be enough for them. Uh, but I'm, I'm hungry. Like, I just want to keep moving forward. I want to keep growing. And uh, for me, I felt like the only way to do that was just to sort of step outside of the city and find a place where I have more space to sort of explore those things. So, um, so that's why I'm moving. It's a really difficult decision for me to make, but it feels completely right. So, so off I go. I'm, I'm fortunate in that it's not so far away that I'm not, like, shooting myself in the foot completely. Like, my partner's coming with me, and he's able to keep his job. So, you know, we'll have some sort of income outside of anything that's generated by the, the farm. So that that's comforting. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm just really excited to just have space to sort of explore different aspects of, of growing food that I haven't been able to uh, here in Brooklyn. Well, and, and this is a thing that this is a thing that is also often misunderstood by those who are considering their lives and considering leaving the city or getting into farming, is that there are in even suburban areas many many more uh, interstitial available spaces than you might cons- that you might first think. That yeah. while you could say, oh, yeah, Westchester County or Connecticut or New Jersey, that's all built up. Well, when you look a little closer, um, either by DIY drone, uh, balloon-powered drone, or just even a Google map, you can zoom in and see that there is a lot of land there and big backyards and um, municipally-owned, church-owned buildings, um, and that really all that stands between you and land access uh, is relationships and good behavior, uh, or relationships, good behavior, a strong work ethic, and uh, what else? <laughs> a willingness to ask for things. I mean, I think that that's the only reason I've ever gotten anything that I have now is that when I feel that I need something that I just can't supply for myself, I ask someone who can help. And if you just open and you just ask, most of the time people want to help you. People, I think people generally are good and they really want to help when they can. So if you're willing to just like open up and ask for what it is that you need to accomplish your goal, then someone will give it to you. You know, there's someone out there who wants to help. So you just have to be open and just sort of put it out there. So speaking of giving, you have a Kickstarter campaign. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about let's talk about your campaign. Okay. Um, well, you know, I I'm I come from <laughs> like very humble beginnings. I don't really have um, like any sort of uh, family support or anything like that. I'm kind of like going it alone for the most part. And um, I thought that a good way to just sort of get the people who have already played a big role in my in my in my life and the the progress of all these projects that I'm involved with, just give them an opportunity to maybe help with this new project. I thought a Kickstarter would be a really good. Uh, a good way to sort of go about getting funding to get the materials to, to build this farm. So um, so we did a Kickstarter. Um, it's also been really great because it's helped me to reach people who haven't yet sort of seen what's going on here in Brooklyn, um, some of the projects that I've been involved with. Um, so that's been kind of great. I've been getting a lot of emails from really wonderful people. We've been getting kind of really surprising anonymous funding from from random people, which is, 
I'm really moving. We got a, a pretty big donation uh, on Kickstarter, and the person didn't want their reward or anything. They just wanted to see us succeed. And um, it's, you know, <laughs> when you come from, from my position, when you don't really have a whole lot of anything and you're usually working hand-to-mouth and someone uh, has enough faith in your project that they just give you uh, give you what you need. It's it's uh, it's really intense, and it it it, it makes me feel hopeful. Um, so so far, it's been really good. Um, the response has been really positive, um, and I'm just really excited to to reach out to the people in that community because you know as as I don't I don't consider myself a New Yorker. I definitely think I'm like a transplant, but as a sort of like adopted New Yorker, I, I definitely feel like New Jersey is one of those places that's just sort of overlooked and generally not like appreciated to the degree that it should be. Um, so I'm really hoping to, to make some good friends in the community there and work with some other businesses and other farms in that region uh, to just sort of like make New Jersey, you know, the place to be when you're interested in food and farming. Well, certainly New Jersey has tremendous soil and a, a long and rich agricultural history. Yeah. Um, I still think that New Jersey outgrows, I feel like New Jersey might be the second or the third largest state for growing spinach in the United States. Really? In California. Um, okay, so, but this is the other part that <laughs> what you're yeah. talking about brought up for me was... Um, that in this big project that we're engaged in here, you, me, and everyone we know, of reclaiming farming and transitioning to new generation agricultural economy, shifting to sustainable and more community-oriented scale, shifting mm -hmm. uh, towards healthier foods and more diversity and better nutrition, uh, nutrition and better nitrogen cycling and all these things. That there, it, it's a major, it's a major project and. What we don't have is land, and what we don't have is capital. And so in order for that project to succeed, the land and the capital are going to have to come from people, and in most cases they're not going to be able to seek the kind of economic reward um, that that they may have received from the kind of traditional market economy. Mm -hmm. um, we, did, we did a little bit of math in the office the other day, and we figured out that if there's 400 million acres of land um, whose farmers are going to retire in the next 20 years, that 400 million acres at an average acre cost of $2,500 per acre uh, is a trillion dollars of land of value in land, which just so happens to be how much the farm bill is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you think about, well, how does how do things happen? Things happen because of commerce. Things happen because of market demand. Things happen because of a policy environment. Um, things need to also happen at the scale that we're talking. There's there probably is going to need to be some personal, private, entrepreneurial, you know, non-monetary making it happen that happens <laughs> in order for this to really actually happen. And that's something I've been seeing more and more of as I spend time in this movement, and I'm sure you also are experiencing it. It feels like that's what you're talking about now. Um, but maybe you could just elaborate a little bit about in being having a foot in farming, even living in the city, participating in 
kind of non-monetary or barter or gift economies uh, and, and maybe show that those who are listening who are not yet in ag but who are considering, considering ag, how surviving as a farmer may be different than the kind of numbers on the page. Hmm. I'm not really sure how to or where to start with that, really. I mean, can you give me sort of like a, a finer point to start on? Uh, sure. I guess I guess I would I would say people give things away, and there's and there's things you can dumpster off the street, and you can collaborate. You guys collaborated in Hayseed with the installation company, those paper girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and in other ways, you know, you got you got to pop up space. Etc. In other ways, you were able to tap into kind of non-monetary uh, flows, or you had transactions. That oh were yeah, on yeah. Gift economy. Totally. Uh, and you know, so many people who are selling at farmers markets are who are artists or activists or you know otherwise kind of in an alternative economy. And mm-hmm. for whom that farmer's market job may be, you know, 10 hours of really intense work, but it's also the basis of, like, their entire food budget and, and through barter and, and what vendor relationships, uh, you know, is worth far more than the wage that they're earning as a, as a vendor. Yeah, no, I mean, no, I, I, I think that people assume that the only way to get anything you, you need is to to, you know, to hand over money to someone. But, like, I, I, I'm, always, I'm always surprised by how many people I meet who are totally willing to, to work with a person, provided that they get to, like, interest in terms of money or trade, um, just so that they could be working with someone that they feel like is going to do some good. And I feel like it's so important to just sort of get out there in the community that you're hoping to sort of thrive in and, and just make connections and just be open and just to, to find out if there are people out there who have something that you need and, and figure out whether or not you, there is some, some service that you can provide to them. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, with hayseeds, I mean, I – you know, I, I literally, like, I was looking on Kickstarter, and there was a project four blocks from my house, and I walked over there just to see what was going on, and I met these two girls, and right there on the spot, I mean, they showed me their space, and I talked to them about how this friend of mine from Brooklyn Grange, we were talking about doing an urban farm pop-up store, but the right situation hadn't come up. I had this one conversation with them, and then just on a whim, I asked them, I said, would you guys ever be into hosting a pop-up shop here? And they immediately were like, yes, we were totally into that idea. And six months later, you know, we have some meetings, and we're like emailing back and forth, and we open a store up. And, you know, it, you just have to ask. You have to, like, put your pride aside and just be willing to just go out there and and find the people who have something that you need and try to figure out what, what you can offer them. If you don't have a lot of money, you've, you've got something else, you've got a strong back, you've got, you know, some, you know, you're tech savvy, whatever. I mean, offer someone something that they can benefit from in the long term and, you know, you're going to have someone who's willing to work with you. Um, you know, I've got, like, you know, Laura Klein, our good friend Laura Klein. She's amazing. She does a lot of web stuff, and she basically wanted to take a course. And so, 
it was kind of an extensive course. She offered some uh, design uh, assistance so that she could take this course so that she could learn permaculture design. I mean, it's not hard. You just have to put yourself out there and ask. Um, you know, we're doing all these food swaps here in Brooklyn that are sort of spreading all over the place. People are really keen on the idea of not having to spend money for things that they want. Um, so I think we're sort of like the time is sort of perfect for these sorts of exchanges. So you heard it here from Meg Tosca of the Little Seed, Little Hayseed, Little Farm, Big City. Ah! <laughs> hey, What's seed, big city, farm Meg? supply. <laughs> it's hey, seed, big supply. city, farm supply. <laughs> um, what's your new project going to be called? The Homestead at Seven Arrows. It's in well, Locust, New Jersey. Oh, big, big new things from Meg. Please keep a watch out for her. You can read more on her blog. She's she's working on a book. She's a busy woman, and uh, in general, there's fun things to do nearby to where she is standing. Uh, thank you, Meg, for being on. Thanks so much, Severin. Check out the Kickstarter campaign, and tune in again next week. Greenhorns is busy. We have a lot coming up this summer, and in August, a beef, a beef campfire event. Details, TBD. Bye-bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.